Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. JD Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For JD Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com/awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This episode is sponsored by Try Vegan, a vegan meal home delivery service that is nutritious and delicious and makes your life easier. Based out of New Jersey, they deliver throughout the Northeast. Check out more details on their website, tryveganmealprep.com. And you can get 25% off your first order with the promo code LITYOGA. So go vegan. Good movement and welcome to Redefining Yoga, a lit yoga podcast, which is designed to investigate all aspects of the modern evolution of yoga from my background as a physical therapist and lover of movement. My mission is to help everyone find freedom through smarter and safer movement patterns so together we can be uplifted, benefiting all beings. Welcome to Wednesday Q&A, where you all ask the questions and we answer. I'm joined as always by my lovely co-host, physical therapist, lit teacher extraordinaire, Kristen Williams. I'm dancing in my seat. Yeah. So excited. Yay. Hey, everybody. Ah, so good to be here. Let's, I'll go ahead and jump in, I guess, Laura, with one that we got sent to us from our dear friend and lit teacher, Gila, uh, who lives in the UK. We just saw her not too long ago at the, at the London workshop. So she said, hey, KB, I hope you're well. I have a question for the podcast, if I may. I took up cycling in February of this year and loved it, all caps. So have cycled most days since then as I use it to commute across London to my classes. This was up until about a month ago when I started to experience tenderness in what I believe to be my quadricep tendon. Initially, the pain wasn't so bad, and I had noticed that my bike seat had slipped down slightly. So assuming this was the problem, I shifted it back into place and continued to cycle. However, following that, the pain suddenly worsened in my right knee, and I'm now taking time away from the bike to let the tendon heal. At one point, I couldn't bend the knee more than 90 degrees. It felt like a tight pressure right above the knee being squashed. The pain seems to be easing now, although definitely doesn't feel linear. At the moment, I'm working on strengthening the muscles around the knee, the glutes, the hip flexors, the hamstrings, and trying to work out why the hell this happened. I know it could be my bike positioning, so that is something I'm going to take a look at once it feels safe to get back on the bike, just to see how I'm riding. But I'm wondering if there are mechanics elsewhere in the chain that I should be looking at. I have pretty good ankle dorsiflexion and hip flexion, but maybe I'm lacking strength in one of these areas. Any help on how to rehab the knee 
as well as how to tell where the imbalance is coming from would be massively appreciated. I hope this gives you enough information to work with. Love to you both. Well, we love all that information. Yeah, that's a lot of information. Um, so a couple things I would, first of all, Zila, I would ask, like, do you feel tenderness, say, like when you're in a 90-90 lunge? Um, or is it specific to movement? You know, because um, the tendon will, will probably be most pronounced when you're moving. And it's not that you wouldn't feel it there, but that might be more of the fascial stretch. So it's, it could all be connected. Number one, I absolutely believe you need to go to a bike shop and really get it fitted because I've had this when my husband and I biked cross country um, 23 years ago, hard to believe. I remember we had done about our first 700 miles and we're doing a lot of climbing. And I, I, I had that exact same experience. It came on really fast and it was so painful. So I got a knee brace that didn't really help. And I went into a bike shop and the guy said, there was two things. It's not only the height of your seat, but also the, how close kind of the aft four position or whatever it's called, where you, you move the seat forward or back. So mine was a little off on both of those. And we also, um, I also got a granny gear, which is just giving you, I gave me extra gears to go into on those hills. Now you're not necessarily having that in London, but I would definitely look at how close you're seated, you know, go to, go to a specialist for that. The other thing is when you're cycling, you want to think of the, um, a lot of people focus when we're, when they're not like professional cyclists, they'll focus a lot on the downstroke and that uses that quadricep a lot. I like to try and focus equally on pushing down and pulling up. So it's a really like a circular action and there's multiple muscles that are contributing to that. That's easy to do when you have clips. If you don't have clips, um, it's a little bit harder to do. You have to really dig into your metatarsals to pull back and it's not nearly as effective as you just get that foot clipped in. So it also depends on if you have clips. Um, I think that everything you're doing is probably going to be helping. And I wouldn't, I don't want to say don't worry about the pain, but it will subside, especially if it's already decreasing since you haven't been biking. But knowing that you want to get back to that, that's what's more important is like, what was the root cause of this? So I think probably it was a positional thing. And then um, perhaps thinking more about the pulling back, using your calf and hamstring to pull back as well as the quadricep to push down. Um, and then continuing to, open up that front of the hip uh, because if it's at all like a little bit more clogged and not as pliable, it's going to put more of the tension down into the knee. Those are my, those are my go-tos. No, I love that. I mean, I 100%, I love that you mentioned the four aft thing, not being a, a cyclist. I didn't even think of that, but that is huge. That's going to grossly change that angle of the patellofemoral joint, the, you know, knee joint itself, the tibia and the, and the femur. Um, and I would just caution you when you go back to build up, it sounds like you got this bike, whatever you decided cycling, loved it. And then went gung ho, you know, you went from like probably taking the tube or whatever to work to suddenly now you're like, shoom, 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 which is a lot. And you know, what you're describing sounds like an overuse type of an injury. When you have that when your body produces extrasynovial fluid, when you have that 
swollen. And that's exactly what everyone describes in the knee. It feels like a balloon or a, um, and her sounds more supra patellar mm-hmm. above than, you know, so that's just really your body's way of saying, hello, this is too much. So when you go back, don't go back to cycling to and from work and then to and from the store and doing everything by bike. I would really build up. And then maybe like you said, Laura, you know, if you don't have the clip, look into doing that. That's why those were created was so we could get better balance, you know, and use a fuller muscle group. If you are cycling for long distances, people don't use those on their little beach bicycles where we're just like going to the beach and back. But if you're doing a lot of distance, those those clips are there for a reason. Because trust me, I've never done clips. It would scare the shit out of me. But I understand why people would want to do them because it is just better for your body to balance things. It's so, yeah, way different you. having done both. Yeah. Um, like I'll go and like rent a bike or something, you know, like Olivia and I last um, September rented bikes in New York and it, it feels so imbalanced to not have a clip once you've done the clip because it is just pushing down pushing down it's really hard to get that pullback that traction yeah because the clip just makes you part of the pedal so you therefore become part of the whole entire pedal stroke it's not just down um so i totally agree if if this is going to be something that you're going to start doing regularly get get clips on there um it makes a huge difference it's you know a it's going to be more cumbersome because you always have to wear the shoes and so you're going to have to bring other shoes uh, you have to get used to it. You're going to probably fall off. That happens to everybody. So just kind of be prepared for that Then until it becomes like automatic. When you're stopping, you can quickly unclip. Um, but it's super fun and it really does change the biomechanics. And so, yeah, that was a great question because I'm sure a lot of people have that, whether it's biking, running, hike, you know, anything again that you increase the duration and in frequency both. Uh, you're just setting your body up for more of that uh, poss- possible in- um, imbalance and inflammation. So just gradually increase. Great. Okay. Um, this is from Pia33. Lit has changed my life. Uh, how do you all keep giving so much? Um, that's such a wonderful question. You want to answer first? Yeah. I mean, we have had similar questions and I think yours is probably going to be in the same vein as mine. Um, When you love what you do, it doesn't feel like there, it seems to me like there's an unending well of, of energy of, I mean, one of my favorite things is this Q and a, I love helping people. I, I love the mentorships that we do Our our, you know, that's what really truly makes our teacher training so much different than another one. It's the interaction. It feels, we were, we're in the process of looking at our website and, you know, thinking, how do we word things? And, you know, this is an, it's an online experience, but what Laura and I, and really the whole team, we love the community. And so when you truly find joy in that and, and you see what we're doing, we are helping people help themselves. We are helping teach people how to help others what's better than that? I mean, I can't think of a better job. So how do we keep doing it? It's because it gives back. It gives back in these little messages that we get from you guys, the little comments on our flows. Wow, Kristen, I was really hurting. And then I did your flow and I felt better or, oh my God, that's one of my, you know, we, we, we give, we get back 
what we are giving. And so I think if you're anywhere in your life where you're feeling like you're giving, 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 um, it might be because there, you know, maybe you've lacked, you're lacking joy or you aren't getting time for yourself too. And, and so I would look there. Um, I'm lucky enough to be in a position doing something that I love that every time I'm working, I'm giving to my body. But when I wasn't, when I, you know, when I wasn't able to, to, to do as much because maybe my kids were little, I always carved out time for myself. So I felt like I refilled my well. So um, I am thrilled, Pia, that you have gotten so much out of what we're giving and just know that we're giving, we're getting just as much from you and from comments like this. So, so thank you for that. Laura, what do you have to add to that? I, I know you're feeling the same way. I do. And I think, um, I mean, we're really good examples of that. We can give a lot because we love what we do. We have a lot of passion for it. It, I, it's, there's never a checklist, you know, you, you can, I can tell when I talk to people who are either doing something a little different or even if they want to do what we're doing. And there's a lot of like kind of checking the boxes and like, well, I did this, I did that. And I, neither, neither one of us do that. It's like, we do what needs to be done for this, for the betterment of the, the whole system. And I think that's really what it, so the sum of the parts is even, you know, is, is greater than any individual part. And that's how we all contribute. And that's where it feels like it's, it's endless. So all the community is huge. Like giving, giving to the community is easy because again, we get so much in return and I think anything you do, um, whether it's like you were saying in your personal home life or in your professional life, if you feel like that is out of balance, look at what look at what might be a missing ingredient. And it might be that you're not on the path that you're really meant to be on. And that's really hard to like redirect your path. But think about that life is hopefully a very long path and, and you want to be you want to be doing like something like we're doing where it feels really joyful. Doesn't mean there aren't things like that are tedious, but they're just, they're part of it that we do. And it doesn't feel tedious because there's so much more. Um, but if you're kind of clocking everything in and out, like every little thing you do, it might be um, either your mindset or it might be that you're not doing something that is really filling you up enough. I also think a really big part of this, I was talking about this on an interview that I was interviewed on, is that when you do something like we're doing that is ultimately service, that doesn't mean service, free service, it's a service. We, we do it and ultimately we do it because we love it. The feedback, the love, the um, all of that is icing on the cake, but it is, we're doing it regardless of what the outcome from, from in terms of feedback from other people, because we're so clear on that. And I think that's really important too, because at the end of the day, you want, you can give from your own well, but it can't be dependent on somebody else watering it. Uh, right. So if you, if you're doing something because you, you know, you like getting adoration or, or like positivity, whatever it is, that's, should not be the primary reason you're doing something. It should be absolutely from your heart, from your soul. Like Chris and I were lucky enough to know from the beginning, like we, this is the path we were destined to be on. And we're doing that because it's that's consistent and, and truthful for us, regardless if 
you know, five people liked us or 500 people liked us and liked what we were doing. So I think you can give because like we're giving because we're not kind of waiting for the impact of it to give more. Like it just feels right, you know? So educational tools, everything we do, of course, we're we're doing this as our profession, but I think it's this is where um, I try and guide my daughter, who's now in that like thinking about career stuff. And it's like you have to do something that is so true for you, irregardless of the outcome for other people. That is so true. I love that you brought that up um, because I think that I, I mean I would I've been even though I'm not in the clinic like I used to be. I, I was the same way in the clinic. I, I just, I, I found joy. And so people see the joy that I was having and that they feel it. And then they, you know, it is what goes around, comes around. It's that whole, you know, fake it till you make it. Well, if you don't have to fake it, it's, you're just going to keep making it, you know, because I don't have to fake any joy in what we don't have to fake any joy in what we're doing because it, and that that's the beauty. And, and you know what, it hasn't always been that way. Um, so a lot of this just takes experience. It takes timing. It takes being in the right. It takes risk. It mm -hmm. takes like, you know what? I'm going to go for it. And yeah. I'm going to trust that what, who, who, whomever you believe in or not is going to take care of you. And, um, you know, I've, I've been blessed. Oh, I agree. And as always, we, everybody that's listening, we, we do love your comments and we, they, they've, feed us. They nourish us so much. They really do. So appreciate that. Okay. So question from Jay Gray, 18, best poses for Dowinger's hub. Mm. Ooh, well, first of all, you want to talk about, or I can, uh, the Dowinger's hump is this, we've spoken about similar type things like a text neck hump. This is all this extra kind of connective tissue buildup in the upper back area. And you can see it. I saw somebody actually, when we were in Europe, I saw this late old lady, um, old lady. I mean, she was old, uh, who had a huge one and was like literally, you know, angled, uh, at like 45 degrees. It was really, she seemed very happy. So it's like, again, I'm projecting like, oh, that must be awful, but she seemed fine. It's just that we look at that and we realize like that doesn't look normal or that that doesn't look optimal. So there's a lot of variations of it. So the big hump is usually, a, and but I also was examining her from behind. We were in the bathroom and she was like washing her hands. And I could actually see she has scoliosis. So that probably contributed to that growing even more. So Dowinger's hump can grow for different reasons. It could be like you are prone to osteoporosis and your bone, and you start literally, your bones start kind of, I don't want to say disintegrating, but kind of think of them as they're just, losing their um, strong structure. And so other connective tissue products, because your bone actually has connective tissue properties in it, come in to give that area some extra support. So it forms a very like spongy connective tissue hump. There are people that expect they're going to get that because their grandmother had it or their mother had it. But um, most things are not just purely genetics. Um, so yes, you might be more inclined to have uh, low bone density that might be in your, that might be part of your, um, you know, biochemical history, but how do we deal with it? And it sounds like you're asking best poses for that. 
So any pose that's going to counter that contracted state of the upper back is going to be good. Opening the front chest tissue, thoracic mobility, trying to get the thoracic spine mobile, because once you've got it in a compressed position, all the properties of thoracic uh, mobility will be um, diminished. So, I mean, think of your cobras, think of going against a door and opening up, think about rotation. Um, and especially if you already have some of that humpiness coming, you're, use something that's going to be a reminder because your, your own navigational GPS will, will adjust according to your position. So what you might feel as upright won't actually be as upright as you need to be. So that's where I have like a bamboo pole. I've worked with people from, you know, just athletes that had a lot of it, it, a lot of uh, range of motion difficulties to older individuals who had that real rounding going happening. And, you know, using that bamboo pole to lift yourself upright, look at what's happening in your cervical spine and your hip as well. Um, you want to add on to that? Yeah. Um, I was just going to go into what you were saying, the lumbar spine and the hip, you know, looking at the pelvis, if, if the pelvis isn't neutral, you're probably not neutral up the chain. So um, low lunge, you know, high crescent lunge, softening that back knee. I love the bamboo pole idea. Um, and then taking it off your mat too, you know, so the mat is a beautiful place to remind yourself and to really work on it strength wise. Like you said, Cobra, Locust, um, a lot of the, you know, chest opening. I love the rotation work you said, but then, you know, what are you doing off of the mat? You know, so how are you sitting all day long? How are you driving? You know, are you pitched forward with a ponytail? I take a ponytail out when I go on a long drive so I can get my head back because a ponytail pushes you forward. And I know I've got a really long neck that I, I am prone to just naturally going forward. Just it's a laziness. I mean, so I think about my posture. I, I've always kind of had a decent shoulder carriage drawing that back, but a lot of people don't. If you're tall like Lara and I, when, when we were growing up, girls wanted to be smaller and they would round. I don't know why. I think probably because my brothers were tall. I don't know. I just, I never rounded like that. And now I'm so thankful. So I do think things are learned behaviors too, looking around it. Maybe your mom did it. So you're mirroring her. Maybe your friends did it. So you did it. Maybe you're big breasted. And so you wanted to cover up like that. Girl, let those things out and be proud, you know? So stick the cheek. I call it the superhero chest. We don't see superheroes in cartoons or whatever on movies rounded. We see them with this power stance. And that is the triple S. So where can you put that triple S on the mat? Where can you take it off of the mat? And all of that is going to remind your brain what alignment is and take the pressure naturally off of where that dowager's hump is and your body can reabsorb that. Once it no longer needs that protective padding, it can it can reabsorb that. And or certainly the look of it. A lot of times it might look worse just because of the position. As soon as you draw back in space and you've created that length in the back side of the upper part of your neck, and you've created that space that Laura likes to talk about the lift of the mastoid process right behind your jaw, you know, to get that, you create that length, it's not gonna look as bad. So some of it's optics as well. Um, but so I would look on the mat and off for sure. Absolutely. And I think, you know, to echo your point, doing it off the mat is even more crucial, right? Because it's not, 
where we use most of the time, we're not spending it on the map, we're spending it in life. So, um, I, and just like with anything, nothing is permanent. You can change things. You might not be able to completely um, reverse, but you can really, really alter certainly um, the the load that you're putting on there, on um, the burden, you know, and the, the head and the shoulders, it is a big burden for the upper back. We just don't have enough back there if we're constantly pulling ourselves forward. So um, check in and let us know how that goes. And know that we have a ton of classes on the Lit Daily. You can literally type in uh, shoulder, neck, you know, thoracic mobility, type posture. in that for the search, anything. And posture, of course, our 20 day, 20 minute, um, Series, the posture challenge is still one of our most popular on the site. And there's a reason for that. It's very doable and it's very, it's, it's therapeutic and it really will help your posture. So as always, check out our stuff on Lit Daily, check out our Instagram and write us on direct message. You can find me at laura.hyman or um, Kristen at kbwilliams99. You can also write us at support at lityoga.com. Don't forget to rate and review because we love to see that as well. So thank you so much. Great questions, everybody. And as always, we're, we're pulling, pulling for you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.